From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. If God did all this and we have been given his word, shouldn't we take time to read it and to study it and to absorb it into our lives? Pastor Clay's on vacation this week, so our worship pastor, John Spolino, will deliver the word. When we depend on God, it influences the rest of our lives. It affects every avenue of our life. And so if we're dependent on God, we want to serve his church and we want to see his church grow. If we are dependent on God, we want to commune together with other believers and we want to gather together. Today, Pastor John will be talking about our dependency on God and His Word from Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah was a man who was given a task by God to proclaim God's Word to the Israelites. A 20-year-old called to proclaim God's Word to a wicked nation was no doubt a heavy responsibility. What we will see is Jeremiah weeping over the sin of Israel, but at the same time, rooted and dependent in God and His Word. Now, here's Pastor John. Well, uh, welcome to Cross Culture. My name is John Spolino. I'm the worship pastor here, so normally I don't get to teach on Sunday morning. I'm actually surprised that they are allowing me to preach again. If you remember the last time I spoke, I started my message with Star Wars impersonations. Um, and they weren't even good either. I listened to them. I went back and I actually listened to them. And I do not do a good Yoda or Darth Vader. And so um, I apologize for putting you through that. Um, that was not nice of me. Um, thank you. All right. I'm a little sh- shorter than Ivy is. So we actually had a discussion about this. I'm four inches shorter than the average man. I'm five foot six, but you know what? I'm proud to be five foot six. Um, but as I said, I normally don't get to teach. I'm at Cross Culture, so I'm really uh, excited to do that this morning. So I just ask that you would just pray with me right now as we go in to this time of worship uh, through reading God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word. God, there is nothing like your Scripture. Father, we can be founded and rooted in you, and therefore we should be founded and rooted in God's word. We have complete dependency on you this morning, and we just thank you for that. Lord, help me now that I would get nerves out of the way, that it would be you speaking through me, and that your word, your word would be put forth so that the hearts here can understand it and apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, As I said, I normally don't get to teach, but when I do, I always consider it a high honor. Not because I think I'm a good communicator. You'll find out very quickly that I speak really fast. Uh, Sometimes I stutter when I speak, and sometimes I spit when I speak. And so for some of you that are sitting closer to me, it might be like the splash zone at SeaWorld. And so I apologize. I should have told you to bring your umbrellas this morning. And I just, I forgot. I'm sorry. And, and so I don't consider it a high honor because of that. And I don't consider it an honor because I think I have something good to say apart from the Bible. If I came up here this morning and didn't have the Word of God, well, one, you probably wouldn't want to listen to me because I'd don't know what I would talk about. And, and two, you probably would get bored extremely fast. Um, and I would probably end up uh, talking about Star Wars. But I promise that there's going to be no—I'm going to try not to have any Star Wars references this message. I know it's disappointing, but I'm going to try. Okay, well, there's, it's do or do not. There is no try. And so— um, 
For those of you who are nerds, that's a Star Wars reference, but, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And so I consider it a high honor because the thing that I'm teaching this morning is the Word of God. I want you to think about this with me for a second. God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us so that we can be reconnected with God. Where there was no way, God made a way. And that story is from Genesis to Revelation, and we have that Word. And so, If God did all this and we have been given his word, shouldn't we take time to read it and to study it and to absorb it into our lives? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about our dependency on God and how that relates to our dependency on God's word. But before we begin, I want to make a a general uh, distinction or a general mention about our dependency on God. That when we depend on God, it, it uh, influences the rest of our lives. It affects every avenue of our life. And so if we're dependent on God, we want to serve his church and we want to see his church grow. If we are dependent on God, we want to uh, commune together with other believers and we want to gather together. Uh, we have a particular problem at Cross Culture, getting into the worship service on time. If we're dependent on God, guess what? We can't wait to worship. So we should try to get to worship on time. That's my one little plug as the worship pastor. So get to worship on time. Um, Thank you. Um, (laughs) If you're dependent on God, you long to read his word, apply his word, and share his word. And so this morning, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Talking about our dependency on God and our dependency on his word. Uh, Pastor Clay calls this the BP squared, the big picture biblical principle. I'm just calling it the main point. Okay, so it's synonymous. I'm calling it the main point um, because I don't know if I can say BP squared um, too often. So the main point of this message, I'm going to give you everything up front so that you can take notes and listen. Okay, so the main point of the message this morning is this, that a life that is dependent on God is a life that is characterized by God's word. A life that is dependent on God is a life that is characterized by God's word. That means it reads God's word, it applies God's word, and it shares God's word. It reads it, it applies it, it shares it. And so this morning, we're going to look at our dependency that Jeremiah had on God and his word, and then we're going to follow that up at the end with three points of application, reading, applying, and sharing. And so that's where we're headed this morning. So if you have a copy of God's word, whether it's electronic or hard copy, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Listen, if you don't know where that is, it is not a sin to look in the table of contents, okay? So if someone next to you judges you for looking in the table of contents, look at them and just say, what are you looking at, Pharisee, okay? You can call them a Pharisee this morning if they judge you for looking in the table of contents, all right? Um, So we're going to look at Jeremiah this morning, Jeremiah chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to have the words behind me on the screen so you'll be able to uh, follow along that way. For the past few months, I have been reading Jeremiah. I started back in January. I was, I was kind of overwhelmed with the Bible. I'm a student at Southeastern Seminary, and so uh, every day I go to class, and it's just the Bible. I learn doctrine. I learn theology. It's, I'm always learning about the Bible, and that is a great thing, but I've never taken the time just to sit down in my own personal life to say, okay, I'm going to focus on one book and one character, and I'm going to devote my time to studying it. 
So I figured, well, I need a book that's long enough. So Jeremiah is 53 chapters. So I was like, well, that will last me. Um, and so I actually, um, I, I finished reading through it, but I actually haven't finished studying it yet. And I've been in it since January. It's a lot of good stuff in there. And so I started um, reading and, and praying over Jeremiah and its application and its teaching into uh, my life and kind of just saying, hey, what are you trying to say? And what I found is extremely interesting that if you look at Jeremiah's calling in chapter 1, you'll see why he's so dependent on God and his word, which is going to be vital as he is ministering throughout the rest of Jeremiah. He's going to be uh, mocked, ridiculed. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be thrown into a pit and left there and forgotten, but he doesn't die then. He actually gets remembered and brought him back up, and then he gets ridiculed more. And you see throughout the whole entire uh, book of Jeremiah, there's this frustrating, this difficult time that Jeremiah has to go through. And you see constantly his dependency on God and his word, and it, it starts, and it's, it starts at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah is this character in the Bible that we call a prophet. And we've talked about prophets here before at Cross Culture. How many of you guys have heard the name Ezekiel? All right, most of you. Ezekiel was this, uh, in chapter 37, he was a prophet. And, God, and through God's power, he raised these dry bones from the ground and flesh started peering on them. I always thought that was really cool. Like if you had the, the power to raise mummies from the ground, I think that's awesome. And then you got Isaiah in King, or 1 Kings 18, or excuse me, not Isaiah, Elijah in 1 Kings 18. And he calls down this pillar of fire that consumes this sacrifice, showing that God is the ruler and authority all, over all other false gods and false idols. Then you've got guys like Daniel. We've been going through Daniel Sunday mornings. And you remember last week he he gets thrown into this lion's den and the mouth of the lions gets shut by the Spirit of God. And so you've got all these prophets that had really cool circumstances that happened. I kind of envision Daniel, uh, Ezekiel, Elijah and Jeremiah sitting around a table up in heaven. It's not a card table, okay, because we're Baptists. It's a potluck, all right? So it's a potluck table, and they're sitting around, they're talking, and they're trying to one-up each other. You know what what that means when you one-up? Like, you want to have a better story? So Daniel starts it off. He's like, listen, guys, I steered a lion in the face. Okay, that's how he starts it off. I stared a lion in the face, and it did nothing. And then Elijah's like, who cares? I brought down fire. And then you've got uh, Elijah, or you got uh, Ezekiel who's like, well, can any of you raise mummies from the ground? And so they're having this discussion at the table. And then they look over to Jeremiah and they say, well, Jeremiah, uh, what did you get to do? Jeremiah, I think in heaven, will probably say, well, I got to preach the word of God. But see, Jeremiah, he didn't get to raise the dead or he didn't get to call down fire or calm animals or anything like that. Actually, God tells Jeremiah from the very beginning, you are just going to proclaim my word and they are going to hate you for it. I've always heard that Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. I was like, well, that's why all he's got to do is proclaim God's word. He doesn't get to do any of the cool stuff. But I was absolutely wrong because starting in chapter two, what we'll see is that Jeremiah understands that his only dependency and that all he needs is God's word. And he actually weeps because the the word of God that Jeremiah is so dependent on is the very word that the people he would be proclaiming to the Israelites, they would reject it. He depended on this word, but everybody around him disregarded it, ignored it, rejected it. And that's why he is so broken over this. He doesn't prophesy with an arrogance of pride or anger. He, 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 he speaks God's word of a, of, out of a broken heart for Israel. 
And what we'll see in in Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning is that the book of Jeremiah is actually not about Jeremiah at all. It's actually about God and his word penetrating the hearts of his people. It is about his sustaining and his sufficient word. It's about the word of God being worked into people's life. It's about our dependency on God. And what we'll see in Jeremiah chapter 1 will actually mimic in 2 Timothy 3.16 when it says that the word of God has the power in our lives to teach us, to reproof us, to correct us, to train us so that we can be equipped for the work that he has for us. When we are dependent on God, dependent on his word, we are equipped for what God has for us. That's the relevancy of Jeremiah chapter 1 to today. We must be dependent on him. And so we'll see that the Israelites did not depend on God and therefore did not live lives characterized by God's word. And we'll see that Jeremiah did. And so if you would, Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 4. We're going to read 4, four through 10. You can follow along. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you, uh, excuse me, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I've commanded you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. That phrase, for I am with you to deliver you, will be one of many times through the book of Jeremiah that God will tell him this. Verse 9, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. The first thing that we need to recognize this morning is that God called Jeremiah as a prophet. Jeremiah didn't wake up one morning and think to himself, you know what, today's a really good day to go out in the marketplace and tell people that they're rebelling against God. I really feel like getting mocked, ridiculed, getting stones thrown at me. That sounds like a good idea. No, Jeremiah didn't ask this. God appointed Jeremiah. Look what he says in verse 5. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you. God is telling Jeremiah, I have set you apart. There's no one else for this task. I have given this task only to you, Jeremiah. You can, you can make excuses. You can do whatever you want, but you and you alone are supposed to fulfill this task. And I love what, how Jeremiah is responding. You can bet that Jeremiah is thinking all about God is calling him to do and understanding that this is going to be a heavy and weighty task, thinking that this is going to be an impossible task for a 20-year-old. Jeremiah was 20. For a 20, 20-year-old to carry out. So he knows that it's heavy. And Jeremiah responds to God in verse 6. He says this, Then I said, Alas, Lord God, look, God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I am a youth. He's saying, God, I am young in a society that, that actually apprised the elderly. And so elderly teachers were at the top of the totem pole. He's saying, listen, no one's going to be listening to me. I'm 20. I'm not wise enough. I haven't earned the respect enough. I haven't earned their honor enough to be able to preach and to teach. No one's going to listen to me. I'm young. I can't do this. Don't you see all the shortcomings in your plan? Don't you see all of my inadequacies and all of my insecurities? Don't you see that this is impossible, that I can't do this? So Jeremiah is making all this stuff up. Don't you see? Do you expect this to work? 
And what does God say to Jeremiah? Does he say, oh, wait, what town is this? Wait, what's your last name, Jeremiah? Oh, my bad. No, God says, listen, I formed you before in the womb. I created you. I've given you this task. I've set you apart. So don't tell me that you can't do this. He, he responds in verse seven. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I've commanded you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them for I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God tells Jeremiah, it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about your words. It's about me. It's about my words. Listen, where I send you, you will go. And what I've commanded you to say, you shall speak. Jeremiah, you're not in there. It's me. What is this that you can't do the thing that I set you apart for? And one of the greatest lessons that we can learn this morning is that God often uses our inadequacies and our insecurities to bring him glory. Actually, let let me rephrase that. God often uses us despite our insecurities and our inadequacies to bring him glory because it's not about us, it's about God. And I love this because Jeremiah is facing this impossible situation. And I love this because God often uses the impossible situations in our life to show his glory because he makes it possible if he's involved. You ask, well, what's an impossible situation? I was thinking about this throughout the week and I I thought about what's the most impossible situation that we can think of if you're a believer or even if you're not a believer in this room. The most impossible situation. We were once dead but we're now alive, bringing someone back to life. That's an impossible situation. That's crazy. We were once dead spiritually. We were once dead, but through Christ, we are made alive. That's impossible, or it should be impossible, but with God, it's possible. This is how dead we were. Get this, Romans 3.10. No one seeks God. No one is righteous. All have turned aside. Ephesians, or excuse me, Romans 3.23. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, we have walked as sons of disobedience. Romans 5, we were enemies of God. Well, what about my heart, John, and my good intentions? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and is sick. Well, what about my good deeds? Well, Isaiah 64, 6 says, we have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts have become polluted, filthy rags. Romans 8, the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Ephesians 2, 3, we lived by the desires of our flesh. Romans 6, 20, we were slaves of sin. Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We are dead in our sins. What's the most impossible situation? That someone who was dead, who was a slave of sin, who was an enemy of God, has now become righteous. He's become alive. He's become a child of God all because of Christ. He uses impossible situations to show his glory. What is, think with me about Romans 8 for a second. Romans, says, Romans 8 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no punishment. We're not held under the law anymore because of Christ Jesus. There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, God did. Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. So he condemned sin in the flesh. He got rid of it. Why? So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We who do not walk according to the 
flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who walk according to the flesh, well, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who walk according to the Spirit, well, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, well, what happens? It brings death. Well, those who set their minds on the Spirit, well, what happens? It brings life and it brings peace. Because those who set their mind on the things of the flesh, well, they're hostile towards God. They don't want to submit himself, themselves to God. They can't do so. They actually can't please God because they are walking by the flesh. But Paul says in verse 9, But you, however, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, if God dwells in you. If any man does not have God dwelling in him, well, he doesn't belong to God. In one of my favorite verses, he writes, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead, we are made alive because of Christ. We are are alive because of righteousness. We were once dead, but now we're alive It's an impossible situation that God made possible. So if you're a believer in this room this morning and you want an example of an impossible situation that God uses to bring him glory, you're that example. And that should give you a dependency on God. That no matter what he asks you to do or where to go or what to say, you can rest in the fact that you've been called by God. You can have confidence in the fact because you're an example of God using an impossible situation to bring him glory. And Jeremiah, I believe, is facing this impossible situation. There's no way that he can do this without God. He's a 20-year-old 20, 20 facing a whole entire nation about to proclaim God's words to them. But God keeps on telling him, listen, it's not about you. It's about me. You guys getting the picture this morning? It's not about us. It's about God. It's about his words and his work. And I love what God does in verse 9. He doesn't stop there and just tells Jeremiah, you need to go. Look what he says in verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant God reminds Jeremiah, it's not about you. Look at this. I have put my words in your mouth. The words of Jeremiah do not have any power. The deeds of Jeremiah do not have any power. There is no power in Jeremiah who is able to root up or to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, or to plant. Only God can do that. And he's telling Jeremiah, depend on me. You can't do this. It's my words that I have put in you. So after he shows Jeremiah where his dependency is found. Look in verse 16. He tells Jeremiah exactly what he's going to do. He says, I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness, whereby they have forsaken me and have offered sacrifices to other gods and worshiped works of their own hands. Now, gird up your loins. That just means get ready. Okay, that's kind of weird for us to think about. So gird up your loins means get ready. So get ready and rise and speak to them, which I have commanded you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, as a wall of bronze against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to its princes, to its priests, to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. Here's again. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. 
God tells Jeremiah, you are going to be my mouthpiece. They are going to hate you. They're going to plot against you, but I will be with you. So speak boldly. And what we see through the whole entire book of Jeremiah is a man who weeps over Israel and the rejection of God's word. But we'll also see a man, Jeremiah, who is steadfast, who is dependent in God and his word. And I love this because in, you don't have to turn there, but in Jeremiah 20, This is where the relationship between our dependency on God and our dependency on God's word come together. Jeremiah, at this point, has been ridiculed. This is only halfway through the book. He's been ridiculed. He's been mocked. Nobody wants to be his friend. His family has left him. Everyone doesn't think highly of him. He is being alienated from other people. He's starting to get... uh, Threats and that kind of thing. And so he is, he is at wit's end. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but have you ever made like a, a false like promise or you got angry at God so you said something stupid? Like, um, for instance, like, oh God, if you do this, then I'm never doing this again. Um, well, that's kind of what Jeremiah is going through. He's throwing out this false kind of statement when he, he says this. He says, when I say I won't remember the Lord nor will I speak in his name anymore. So he's kind of flowing that idea out there. He, he is, he is you know, getting ready to go to battle with God. He's saying, when I remember the Lord, nor will I speak in his name anymore. I love this. Then there is this burning fire in my heart. Listen, there's this burning fire in my heart. It is bound up in my bones. I can't hold it in. I can't do it. I must speak. And as I was reading this, I thought to myself, what is the it? It is bound up in my bones. Well, if you do the study, I believe, and other commentators agree, that he's actually talking about the word of God. And so let me reread it with inserting the word of God, okay? He says this, When I say that I will not remember the Lord, nor will I speak in his name anymore, then there's this burning of fire in my heart, and the word of God is bound up in my bones, and I can't hold it in. I can't do it. I must speak. And then he writes just a few verses later, sing, uh, sing to the Lord, give praises to the Lord. We see that Jeremiah is dependent on God, but he's also dependent on God's word. It is God's word that sustains him. He will not be able to get through the whole entire book of Jeremiah if he was only dependent on his own strength. He was dependent on God. For Jeremiah, there is no separating. If you are dependent on God, then you will be dependent on his word. You cannot say that you love God and depend on God and yet neglect his word. And so Jeremiah is saying, you must be dependent on God. He is finding his dependency in his word. You know what's so great about this? Is that we have God's word as well. We have the full, complete word of God. It's not just this story or a a collection of stories. It's actually the story of God. Just think about this. God created the heavens and the earth. In the pinnacle of creation, he created mankind. And then mankind fell. They sinned. They rebelled against God. What did they do wrong? Was it because they ate an apple or a fruit from a tree? No. You know what the problem was? They rejected God's word. God told them, listen, this is how I've created things. And they didn't listen to God's word. They rejected God's word and did what they wanted to do. And so in Genesis 3, God makes this promise that one day I'm going to send a Messiah, a Savior that could be the hope of all people. And the whole entire Old Testament is this uh, following of saying, okay, how is God going to provide? When's the Messiah coming? It looks like it might come in King David. Well, he messed up. Well, it might come before the time of Noah. Well, then God kills everybody and only preserves Noah. 
Who is this king? Who is this Messiah that we're looking for? And in Matthew 1, 1, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior. And so God answered that promise and he lived this perfect life, died on the cross for us, was buried three days later. He rose again and he promised that he's coming back. This is the story that our Bible, the word of God contains. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 3.16. It is God-inspired. It's God-breathed. It is, as Psalms 119.142 says, it is the righteous and everlasting word of God. It is the authoritative John 8.30-31 word of God. It is the sustaining and sufficient 2 Timothy 3.15, Romans 15.3, and James 1.25, word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is complete. It is authoritative. This and this alone has the power to root up sin, to break down pride, to train us and to equip us and to build us in righteousness. And it helps us become firmly planted in our foundation, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior. When we come to this word, we can have full confidence, just like Jeremiah, when it's tough, when it's confusing, when it's frustrating. We can be dependent on his word if we can be dependent on Christ. And I hope you agree with me this morning that we can be dependent on Christ. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Excuse me, slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And guess what? It fell and great was its fall. We see in Matthew that hearing the word is not enough. We must hear the word, but we must apply the word or we're just building our house on sand. See, Jeremiah understood to build your house on the rock, you must love and cherish and and want to study God's word. And so Jeremiah built his house on the rock. He was completely dependent on him, even when it was difficult. See, this is something that the Israelites didn't do. The people of Israel actually rejected God's word and built their house on the sand. They they, they continued to reject his word. In in, in chapter 2, it talks about how their two greatest sins was they rejected God's word, and then they, they, they filled it. They replaced it with something that did not matter. But we don't have enough time to just talk about the Israelites. So we're just going to talk about Jeremiah this morning. He was a man who read God's word and applied God's word. He heard God's word. He lived by God's word. His life was a characterization of God's word. He characterized God's word. So what does this life characterized by God and his word look like? Well, the first it's we read God's word. Romans 8, I, I Mentioned it before that those who walk according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who walk according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Well, what does setting your mind on the thing of the uh, on the things of the spirit look like? Well, it's tuning our wants and our desires to what God wants and what God desires. When we are made new creations, excuse me, in Christ, we are given new wants, new affections, new desires, and 
One of those desires is having a relationship with God. It's wanting to grow in our relationship with God. But you cannot do that if you neglect God's word. You must continue reading God's word and growing in God's word. But I know what you guys are thinking. Sometimes I don't feel confident when I read the Bible. Sometimes I don't know what I'm, I don't feel anything when I read the Bible. I heard a story of a guy one time who decided to have a verse of the day. Okay, so he, he, he randomly opened up the Bible, pointed to the, a verse, and it said, Judas Iscariot went out to the field and he hung himself. And so he was like, well, that's not a good verse for the verse of the day. So he closed the Bible, he opened it again, pointed to a random verse, and said, go and do likewise. So he's like, well, that's crazy. So he closes the Bible one more time. He opens it again, points to a verse and says, seriously, go make haste and do all that I've commanded you. Right? And now that's a silly story, but isn't that sometimes how we feel when we come to the Bible? We don't know what we're reading. But listen, church, I believe that when you read the Bible and devote time to read it, and when you allow God to work in your life, your relationship will get closer with him. And you'll start to realize that your motivation for reading and applying God's word has nothing to do with your feelings, but has everything to do with what God has already done through his son, Jesus Christ, for us. Our motivation is because we are dependent on Christ. I love what C.J. Mahaney writes in his book, Humility, which I suggest for anybody. It's a short read. He writes this. I've learned that regardless of how I feel when I'm finished reading my Bible in the morning, I can know I have made this statement. I need you. I am dependent on you. The very act of opening my Bible to read and tuning my heart in prayer uh, makes this statement that I need God. No matter how we feel before, during, or after we read the Bible, we have made the statement that we are dependent on you and we need you just by opening your Bible. Isn't that cool? The very act of just opening, even if you don't get anything out of it the first time, you say, God, we are dependent on you and your word. I love that. A life that is dependent on God, reads his word. Well, the second is this. A life that is dependent on God applies God's word. It applies God's word. Well, how is it useful for us? Or how can we see it work in our life to apply it? Well, Psalms 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, by keeping it according to the word. It helps us. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It piercing the division between soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning thought and intentions of the heart. 2 Timothy, I mentioned it before, says it has the sufficient power in our lives to teach us, to reproof us, to correct us, and to train us so that we can be equipped for all that he has for us. And Ephesians 2 mimics that, that we are God's workmanship created for good works, which he prepared for us. Applying God's word helps us become equipped to go do what God has asked us and called us to do. But it's not just about applying the right teaching to our lives. It's also about rejecting the wrong teaching to our lives. Israel, they, they rejected God's word, but they also took all these false ideas that are there. Later on in 2 Timothy, which I just quoted, 2 Timothy would talk about how one day there are these going to be people who accumulate for themselves false teachers who, who speak false teaching just to appease their sinful appetite. We can't have that. We must teach right doctrine. We live in a society that says that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Well, we must stand up and say, no, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through him. We live in a society that says, you know what? No one has the right to tell you what to do. It's YOLO, right? You only live once, right? No one has the right. Well, the Bible says that you have been bought with a price. 
So don't be enslaved to the world. It says, don't be, you have been bought with the price, so honor God with your body. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And is that, what, is that not what we want? To know what God's will is for us? To know what is good, to know what is acceptable, to know what is perfect? Well, your mind has to be transformed, has to be renewed, and that starts when you apply God's word to your life as you read God's word. So a life that is dependent on God is a life that applies his word. And lastly, we must share his word. As I mentioned, we have this calling. Jeremiah had a calling. He was given a task. Well, we have been given a calling and we have been given a task. You don't believe me? Okay, that's fine. Well, Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, consider your calling. Ephesians 4.1 says, walk worthy in the manner of your calling. Ephesians 4.4 says, we are called to one hope. 2 Thessalonians says, we pray that our God may make you worthy of his calling. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has called us to a holy calling. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim his excellencies that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Nothing is more clear in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, when it says, while we are going, while we are living, we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you, that Jesus has commanded, that God has commanded. See, this morning, our call as believers is to, to spread the gospel, is to share the good news of Christ, And so while it may manifest in different gifts and talents throughout the body of Christ, every general calling for every person that's put their faith in Christ is to share that good news. It's to go and to share. It's to make disciples. It's to to mentor, to discipleship, to lead a small group. It is to to love in a community where you can grow in your relationship with God. Our job as believers is the gospel. It's to get the good news of Christ to the ends of this world. So what's this gospel? We were once dead. We are now made alive through Christ. We serve our king now here on earth, but we wait his return and we're faithful until that day comes. Through Christ and our dependency on him, we can live that life that's characterized by his word and we can preach the gospel because we have confidence. We don't have to worry that we have insecurities or inadequacies. We don't have to worry what somebody may think or might do to us. Sure, sometimes people aren't going to like it. We may even get persecuted for that. But we have all the dependency and all the reason to do it in Christ. Jeremiah depended on God. Jeremiah spoke boldly. So we must also depend on God and speak boldly. Knowing that one day every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But that only starts if you and I start living lives that characterize God's word. As the band comes up this morning to finish out, uh, we're going to take some time to reflect. Um, we're going to take some time to reflect on two questions. The, the first question is this. Am I dependent on God? Would I say that I am characterized by God and his word? Do, do I feel like I live a life that is dependent on him? And the second thing that we are going to 
I'm going to ask this morning to reflect on is this question. If I say that I'm dependent on God, how does that relate to my walk with God and reading God's word? Do you read God's word? Do, do you apply God's word to your life? Do you share God's word? Those are questions that we must ask ourselves. My hope is that Cross Culture Church would be a church that would be characterized by God's word. We'll read it together. We'll apply it together, both here on Sunday morning and in life groups throughout the week. But not only that, but we'll share God's word. We'll go out. We have a missions opportunity in a few weeks, a group of people going to Haiti. That is a marvelous thing that we get to go and share God's word. But guess what? While we do things over in Haiti, guess what? There are all people around us here in Leesville community, all around us that need Jesus. And we are called to share God's word with them. That's our calling this morning. Jeremiah had a calling, and so do we. The gospel is our calling. The proclamation of the good news of Christ is every believer's task given to them by God. We were once dead. We are now made alive through Christ. We serve our King as we await His return. Through Christ and our dependency on Him, we can live a life characterized by His Word and share this good news. Pastor Clay is back with us next week and we'll continue with the series, Daniel, Unshakable Faith, Unbreakable Promise. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.